Imagine an online world where you own all of the content you put out there. Instead of handing over that IP to LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram or TikTok every time you post. Imagine a world where you own your audience. So if you decide that you don't like the latest algorithm change, you can take that audience with you to somewhere else. And imagine a world where you can give your fans ownership, voting rights, part of your brand. You could give them voting rights to choose what content you create next or what product line you launch next. The technology for all of this, it already exists. It's there. The challenge is now adoption. Welcome to Socialette. I'm your host, Steph Taylor. As a launch strategist and digital marketer, I've learned a lot of lessons the hard way while building a seven-figure online business. If you're an overwhelmed business owner struggling to scale while also keeping your clients happy, this podcast is for you. Join me as I share actionable advice for creating an online business that feels good and brings you so much joy. Are you on the list to get my daily biz boosters? Every day, I'll send you a bite-sized prompt that is designed to help you grow your business in a more intentional way. Sign up at stephtaylor.co slash dbb or at the link in the show notes. Hey, welcome back to Social Let. This is episode 548. Today's episode is quite a special one because I recently got to go to Boston which is on the other side of the world. I'm based in Australia. And I got to go to Inbound, which is HubSpot's annual marketing conference. And it's a lot more than a conference. Like it's 10,000 people or something like that in a massive room with Obama as the headline speaker. But not only was Obama a speaker, I was also a speaker. I got to do a live podcast episode from the podcast stage, which was so much fun. Uh, and that is what today's episode is. So today you are getting a treat. You are getting the live recording, no edits, no filtering uh, from the stage. I'm really excited because it's something I've been geeking out about this topic. And it's something that my audience really loved. Like when I did the episode 525 about Web3, you all loved it. You really loved it a lot more than I thought you would. So I'm back with another episode on Web3. I know you're going to enjoy this episode. So let's dive in. Hey, welcome to Socialette, this very special episode coming to you live from Inbound in Boston. Yay! (laughs) This is really weird for me. Like normally when I record my podcast episodes, it's me in my pajamas, in my spare bedroom, my post-pandemic home office, with my dog on my lap. So please let's just pretend my dog is in this empty seat next to me today, okay? So hey, I'm Steph. If we've never met before, I am a marketer turned launch strategist and podcaster, and I recently joined the HubSpot Podcast Network, and now I'm over here at Inbound. So thank you so much for having me, HubSpot. Usually on this show, I talk about small business marketing. But when HubSpot invited me to Inbound to do this live episode, I was a little bit stumped on what to actually talk about. Usually this is a solo show. I don't do interviews and I didn't feel right doing an interview or a panel for this live episode. 
So instead, I thought, hmm, what's something that's really exciting me at the moment that I can talk about that I think marketers need to know about today? And that is Web3. And more specifically, how you as a marketer can start to use Web3 in your marketing. So I'm just going to do a quick poll of the audience. Is there anybody in the audience here who is super confident with Web3, maybe already starting to use it in your marketing? I'm seeing a couple of half hands, no, no actual hands up. That's cool. Uh, how about people who understand Web3? Maybe you've dabbled in NFTs or crypto, but you've never actually used it in anything marketing related. Okay, a couple of hands. How about if you understand what it is, or you know roughly what it is, but it kind of feels all over your head, a little bit too over your head? Okay, majority of you, I thought so. And who here is completely brand new? No idea what Web3 is? Okay, also a lot of you, that's cool. So if you are brand new to Web3, I'm going to say, I'm going to suggest that instead of focusing on how you can do the things that I'm going to share with you today, you focus more on what's possible and get more excited about what this could mean rather than stressing about how are we going to do this because that's just a recipe for overwhelm. Okay, so we all, as marketers, we know we've seen a couple of big shifts recently in the online space. iOS 14.5, the good old ask app not to track button, that ruined a lot of our plans for paid advertising, retargeting. And in the online space, especially working with creators and other business owners, I've seen a lot of negative sentiment towards social media recently. Even Kylie Jenner doesn't like Instagram anymore. And that's, that's a pretty big deal, right? And fair enough, because Instagram doesn't care about us. Instagram just cares about making a profit for Meta's shareholders. They just care about making as much money from our content as they can. So the world where we are in at the moment, the internet we are operating in at the moment, the platforms we use are controlled by a handful of large corporations, Meta, Google, Apple, those guys. And they own our audiences, they own our content, they own our data. They profit off of our audiences, our content, and our data. But when I first started hearing about this new concept of decentralized internet, Web3, I was a little bit skeptical. I wrote it off as a trend for the crypto bros. You know, the, the guys who are out there trading the NFTs and telling all their friends about it. I said, oh, this is just a fad. It's not going to become anything until I read an article about decentralized social media and what that could potentially look like. And that was where, I guess, the rabbit hole kicked off for me. I started going down the rabbit hole of learning everything I could possibly learn. And when I came out the other end, it was like, wow, why do people not know about this? More people need to know about this. So I recorded episode 525 on this show, Socialette, which was a primer on Web3 and how it's about to flip how we change our businesses. You can go back and you can listen to that episode. I've also linked to it from stephtaylor.co slash inbound. 
When I sent that episode to my email list, I have around 50,000 marketers and business owners on my email list. I thought I was going to get a lot of hate mail. I thought people were going to get angry at me for talking about Web3, NFTs, crypto. There's a lot of negative sentiment around these words. But what actually happened was that link to that episode got three times more clicks than an average episode I send out to my email list. That, to me, was validation. People are interested in this. Marketers are interested in this. So I set up a new email list. I set up a new newsletter called Web3 for Marketers. And I've been emailing them weekly about different Web3 topics and how that applies to us as marketers. And the feedback I've been getting is that marketers want to know this stuff. They are so curious, but they don't know where to start. It feels techy. It feels overwhelming. It feels scary. And a lot of them have no idea what this means for them, how it's going to actually affect their world. So today I'm sharing five potential ways that you can use Web3 in your marketing. It's still so early, right? It's still so early. We're barely scratching the surface of what's possible. And these are just five simple ways that you can start leveraging what's out there. I'm not going to spend much time covering the concepts, the basics. You can go and listen to that at episode 525 or at some of the resources that I've linked to at stephtaylor.co slash inbound. I also want to say that if it feels really complex right now, if it feels really complicated to wrap your head around all of that, it's because we're still really early. We are still in the world where the people who are in Web3 are like the developers, the technical people who are so highly intelligent, they can't simplify it into concepts that we understand. So it will get simpler as more people adopt it. As a marketer, then, why should you be caring about Web3? Right now, we are on the edge of a really exciting shift in the internet, the online space that we live and work in, from the centralized internet where these big corporations own the platforms we use to a decentralized internet where it's owned by the users, by us. So that's really like what the crux of all of this Web3 thing is. And too often we get caught up in the jargon. We get caught up in, oh, what is an NFT? What does fungible mean? What does this mean? What does that mean? Rather than looking at it as, okay, so we now actually get some ownership in the internet rather than relying on these other platforms. And things like NFTs, tokens, they represent property rights. So you're going to hear me use those words interchangeably and a bit during today's episode. They essentially think of them as property rights on the internet, if you aren't familiar with what they are. Imagine an online world where you own all of the content you put out there. Instead of handing over that IP to LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram or TikTok every time you post. Imagine a world where you own your audience. So if you decide that you don't like the latest algorithm change, you can take that audience with you to somewhere else. And imagine a world where you can give your fans ownership, voting rights, part of your 
brand. You could give them voting rights to choose what content you create next or what product line you launch next. The technology for all of this, it already exists. It's there. The challenge is now adoption. It's getting people to start to interact in this world and we start to see more and more of this over time as it becomes easier uh, and we're starting to see shifts already. We're starting to see brands like Taco Bell and Wendy have virtual experiences. You can now get married in the Taco Bell metaverse. Like, I don't know if anyone wants to, but there's the option. You can, you know, you can now eat virtual fast food at the Wendyverse. Big brands like Hermes and Ford and Miley Cyrus, they're starting to register trademarks for virtual goods and virtual currencies. And Meta made it possible for you to now share your NFTs on Instagram and Facebook, but I don't know if they really considered the target demographic there. Uh, so five years from now, I don't think we'll be calling any of this Web3. I don't think we'll be referring to them as NFTs. I think it'll all just become what we call the internet. It's just going to become part of how we do things. So five ways you can start to leverage Web3 in your marketing. And I will disclaimer this, none of these five ways is launching your own NFT collection. I think brands assume that that's the only way they can get involved. They see the, the big names out there launching these NFT collections and they think that's the only way they can get involved in, in Web3. And that's not true. So ranked easiest to hardest Let's go with the first one. So question, can I get a show of hands here? Is anyone finding that organic reach and brand awareness is really challenging right now? Yes. Yeah, it, it's pretty challenging. So one way that you can start to leverage Web3 for this is looking at what existing NFT communities there are and reaching out to partner with these communities. So you can offer things like perks, bonuses to the members in these communities. There are hundreds, maybe thousands of existing communities out there, and they're all formed by people who hold a common token or a common NFT. And they usually also have some kind of interest in common. It might be that they all like the same artist, they all play the same game, they all want to learn the same topic. So they are all focused around this one mutual interest that they have. That community, they need to provide value to their members. You as a brand have value to offer. So there's potential for collaboration or a partnership there. I'm part of an awesome community called BFF, and one of their missions is to get more women into the world of Web3. And as somebody who holds a BFF NFT, I get access to exclusive discounts. I get to enter giveaways, like I got to enter a giveaway to win Lollapalooza tickets. That's pretty cool, right? So they're partnering with these brands to give you exclusive things that you can only access as a member of their community. This is really simple for most marketers to start with, right? Because you go about this the same way you would go about any kind of collaboration. You start with what value can I offer these people? 
what do I have that's valuable or what does my brand have that's valuable? It might be tickets to a live event. It might be a virtual workshop. It could be some kind of unique experience. It could be a prize for a giveaway. Your brand has some kind of value and that community needs value to give to its members. I, I know that if you aren't already in that space, it can be pretty challenging to know where to find those communities. So at stephtaylor.co slash inbound, I've put a couple of resource links that you can go to to start finding those communities. And honestly, my biggest suggestion is join a couple of them. Explore, get a feel for how it works and the kinds of people that are in there. And then you'll be able to see, is this a good fit for my brand or not? Okay. Can I get a show of hands? Whose brand is trying to appeal to Gen Z? Anybody's brand's trying to appeal to Gen Z? A couple of people? I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, that, that's a challenge. Uh, but a really an interesting way that you could start to use Web3 is consider using NFT assets in your brand marketing. So what do I mean by that? Most NFTs represent some kind of asset. It might be artwork, it might be music. And that, that asset, you can use those in your marketing depending on the kind of license that it comes with. Some, some of them, when you own it, you get an exclusive license, which means you can use that artwork however you wish. You can build upon it, you can put it in your marketing, you can build a brand around it. Others have Creative Commons Zero licenses, which means you don't even have to own the NFT to be able to use that. That's pretty cool. Think of it like, you know those meme generators where you can go and you can put whatever text you want on the, the push a button meme? Those are Creative Commons Zero as well. You can build on them, use them however you wish. They're NFTs that are like that too. It's a really interesting way to capitalize on the communities that are already there and a lot of the time these communities are so invested in that project that they will help you to generate a bit of buzz around the project. It's also kind of newsworthy. There's a pretty well-known collection called the Bored Ape Yacht Club. Some of you might have heard of them. They're pretty expensive. They are trading at around I think ninety dollars to $100,000 at the moment. And luckily I checked that this morning because when I first started planning this episode a month ago, it was like $125,000. So sorry if anyone owns one. Uh, but they are this expensive because they are rare and they're owned by celebrities. A lot of celebrities own them. Some, some people have used them in really interesting ways. There's a burger joint in Long Beach, California, where... A guy has used his ape as the branding for the burger restaurant. It's called Bored and Hungry. And the brand is this ape. It's so cool. Universal Studios, they recently started a new band, a four-piece band called Kingship. And the four band members are all apes. Digital virtual apes. But you as a brand, you don't need to spend $100,000 to buy these expensive NFTs. Look at some of the collections that are out there that have the Creative Commons Zero licenses 
and look at some of the cheaper collections out there. And I've included those links at stephtaylor.co slash inbound as well. It's really hard not having slides. Um, okay, so another question for those of you here in the audience. Who runs live events, whether they're virtual, in person? Okay, a couple of you. It's really hard. Attendance is really hard for virtual events these days. Like Those of you who run them will probably agree. People are exhausted. Uh, and I don't know about in-person ones, but I imagine that's a little bit harder too. So another interesting way you can leverage Web3 is to give a proof of attendance badge. It's called a POAP, P-O-A-P, stands for Proof of Attendance Protocol. And essentially what it is, is it's a little digital badge that says, I was there, and it exists on the blockchain. So it's like a verification that somebody attended an event. Think of it a little bit like when you go and watch your favorite band and you go and buy a t-shirt and then you wear that t-shirt around for the next couple of weeks. It's an identity signal. You're telling the world, hey, this is who I am. Like, I value this band. It might give you bragging rights. I'd love to see some of the bigger festivals starting to use these as a way for people to say, hey, I was at Coachella, I was at Burning Man, wherever. As a marketer, you can use these for live events, but you can also use them for when you meet somebody in real life, like a virtual business card, I met this person. You could use it in an event like this if you have a sponsor booth. You could also use it if you're a podcaster and you have a guest that comes on your show and you give them a badge saying, hey, you were a guest on my show. That's pretty cool if you're on a big name podcast and now you have bragging rights. Why, why though? Like, why does that even matter? Firstly, it might increase attendance. I don't know. It depends if there's enough incentive for somebody to want to get, want to show up to get that badge. But also, tokens are likely to become the new pixel in this world where we can't track using pixels anymore. So that makes tokens like this proof of attendance badge a really valuable nurturing tool. You can use it to build a community of people who showed up to your live event. You can use it to offer them virtual swag, exclusive discounts, things that people who didn't attend can't redeem. And nobody else is really doing it. Nobody else is really doing it right now. So I think there's a bit of an opportunity there. As with anything in Web3, in marketing, I would always start with what do you want to achieve and what value are you providing rather than just doing something for the sake of doing it. All right, next question. Who in the audience struggles to incentivize their customers, maybe their community, to take some kind of event? If it's referring a friend or sharing a piece of content, it's pretty challenging to get people to do that for us now. So you can use Web3 to reward people with a token, a little digital gift in some ways, for taking a particular action. Think of it like a free gift with purchase or a little, a little bonus that they get if they refer a friend or share your content. 
And you can do this at all stages of the funnel. It can be as high up as when somebody follows you on social media, or it can be right at the bottom when they've bought from you and you want to incentivize them to leave a testimonial. An awesome example of this is a newsletter that I'm subscribed to called The Tilt. Some of you might be familiar with it. They focus around content marketing. And what they do is if you refer a friend to their newsletter and that friend signs up, you get $5 worth of their Tilt coin, which is their community's coin. And then you can redeem that coin for exclusive content, for access to the community. The execution of this sounds like it would be the hard part, but it's actually the easy part. I think the strategy is where people are struggling. The strategy of why, why are we doing this? What action do we want to incentivize? And what kind of incentive do we need to give them to take this action? Rather than just creating a pretty picture and saying, hey, if you if you share your review, you get to unlock my pretty picture, but it doesn't do anything. You can just look at it online. That probably isn't enough of an incentive. Okay. Something that makes me really excited about that as well is the promise of what social media could look like in Web3. There's currently an app or a, a protocol called Lens where if you follow somebody else who's on that same lens protocol, you get an NFT that says you follow this person. Imagine as a brand automatically being able to give somebody 10% off at your store because they hold that token. Just by default, you don't have to give them a coupon code, you don't have to apply it, anything like that. And imagine as a brand being able to put up a short form post on social media and everybody who likes that post gets to access the long form content, but they can only unlock that access by interacting with that post. This is all possible. The tech for this exists. The adoption is now the struggle. Okay, last one. Has anybody here got some kind of online community? Might be a Facebook group. Yep, we've got a couple communities. Cool. So Web3 makes building a platformless community possible, a community that's built around people who hold a particular token and doesn't rely on a particular platform. The token is like that key to access of that community. And that token could be your, your proof of attendance badge. That token could be something that you've unlocked from taking an action. Your buyers everybody who buys from you might unlock a token that gives them access to an exclusive buyer's community. The problem with communities in the world that we operate in right now is they are very platform dependent. If Facebook disappears tomorrow, most of the people who have communities no longer have a community. And that's terrifying. Like, so I think this is where we really start to see the benefit of a platformless community, something that doesn't rely on Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever you're running that community. At the moment, most Web3 communities are run on Discord, which nobody likes Discord. It's messy. It's horrible. It's hard to keep up with. But it's easy to move because you are still a member. You still have access to that community even when it changes platforms. 
The, a really good example that I like of this is the tilt. Again, they do a great job with this, where if you hold five coins, you get access to exclusive content, events, perks. But if you hold 20 coins, you get access to an exclusive inner circle community. That's a really interesting way that they've done that. The tools to do all of this, they're easy. They're no code. I can't code. I'm not very technical. I could still do this. You'd be able to do it as well. And I've listed the tools at stephtaylor.co slash inbound. The most important place to start with this is why. Why should this community exist? There are far too many communities in Web3, but also in our current world. There's a Facebook group for everything. And a lot of them don't really have any kind of purpose. There's no extra value that they're adding to anybody that, that doesn't already exist. So why should your community exist? What value are you providing to your members? That's the first place to start. So to start to wrap it up, the five ways you can get started, from simplest to hardest, start by partnering with existing NFT communities. It's simple to start with. You don't need to really do any technology. Go about it how you would with any partnership. Use those assets in your marketing. Look to see what assets you can, um, what, what licenses they have, and start to think about how you can use those potentially in your projects, in your branding. Think about how you could leverage proof of attendance badges. Think of how you could create virtual giveaways, virtual gifts as a reward, as an incentive for taking action. And think about how you'll start to build that tokenized community. Right now, this all feels complex because it's so new. But if we think back to the 90s, building a website in the 90s was really hard. You had to, you had to find a domain registrar to buy a domain from. You had to rent space. You had to understand how an FTP client worked. You had to code in HTML. Now you go to Squarespace or Wix or like any of the other places where you can build a website and it's drag and drop. Anybody can do it. And this is what's going to start to happen in the Web3 world. We're just scratching the surface and it's really, really exciting what's possible. So I want to say a massive thank you to everybody who's here live today. You can find the newsletter. You can find all of the links to the resources at stephtaylor.co slash inbound. If you have any questions, I'll be hanging around. Feel free to come and ask me those questions. If you want to listen to this again in a couple of weeks' time, it'll be live on Social Let. So make sure you follow Social Let everywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening.